station in North Georgia. Welcome to the New Bridge broadcast with the services from New Bridge Baptist Church, located on Cleveland Highway, one mile north of the State Patrol office near the entrance to Laurel Park. Pastor Milton Harris invites you to join them for their services all week long, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and on Wednesday night. Now let's join the services already in progress from the New Bridge Baptist Church of Gainesville. Good to see each one out this morning. I know there's a lot of sickness, things going on, but glad to see you here in the house of God. I'm glad to be able to be in the house of God uh, this morning. Y'all continue to pray for Brother Billy. He's wearing his heart monitor and there's working with him. And y'all continue to pray for uh, Brother Billy. I want to say thank you so much for your prayers. I missed you last week. I tuned in on the live stream, but it just wasn't the same as being here with you. And But uh, uh, anyway, I appreciate Brother Hatcher standing in and just a sweet service. And uh, thank you again for your prayers and uh, checking on us and all. Thank you very, very much. We love you, New Bridge, and appreciate you. Uh, continue to remember all those that are sick. We've got several out sick today. Uh, God knows who they are. Just pray that we'll just touch it. Well, it's always an honor and a blessing to have Brother Keith Allison with us. Uh, I love this man, and he has taught me so much down through the years, and just uh, just a blessing. And I want you, to, if you just be praying for him now, as he comes and share with us uh, what God has laid on his heart. Brother Keith, come on, brother. All right, let me say what a blessing it is to be with y'all this morning. I appreciate Brother Milton. Uh, actually, he's had me scheduled for a few weeks, and he didn't know he was going to be sick, and I didn't either, but if it could be a help to him. Uh, I started getting a little head cold, I guess we'll call it that, last weekend. I did preach last Sunday, but I hadn't preached this week. I was supposed to, but I left the meeting. I was supposed to been in South Carolina, and I got up Tuesday uh, Tuesday morning real sick, and I was there thir- Monday night, I was supposed to preach Wednesday morning, but I left and came home. So I haven't preached all week, and I've got over mine, but I'm still a little nasally, and I don't know if I can preach or not, but we'll try, and if I can't, Brother Milton will get up and finish it up. So you got a cripple helping a cripple. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Uh, chapter number two. Now I haven't been coughing, that's one blessing, it was just in my head. Uh, as small as my brain is, there's plenty of room up there for stuff to get congregated, you know. But uh, <clears throat> but I could possibly cough a little bit if I get too hot, so I don't know, I may try to keep it slowed down a little if I can, I don't know. We'll see. Hebrews chapter number two, sure is good to be saved, isn't it? Amen. Amen. And to know that we're on our way to heaven. And I appreciate that hope that we have in the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 2. And uh, I want to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing them witness, 
both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. May the Lord add His blessings to the reading of His Word. That's verses 1 through 4. And uh, I think the subject of salvation was introduced in verse number 14 of chapter number 1. Let me read that. He said, and he's talking about angels, and in the context, he is talking about how that Jesus is far greater than the angels, and he's given us the ministry of the angels, and he said in verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. So I don't know if you realize it or not, but God uses His angels to minister to you. Amen. We don't see them, we don't hear them, but I assure you that they are around us and that they minister to us. And so in the context, you'll have salvation introduced in verse number 14. But then in chapter number 2, in verse number 1, there is a charge. And he said, therefore, the word therefore throws us back into verse number 14. Since we are heirs of salvation, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. The word slip is a a nautical term and it implies a boat that may not be tied at the dock and as the tide comes in and out, that boat will begin to drift away from the shore. And so what he is saying is that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. And it'll be a gradual, just leaving us. And I, can I say this? Of all that I've read, of all that I've heard, of all that i preached, I can't remember all of it. And I'm afraid there are things that if we don't keep it fresh, it will drift from us. But then there is a contrast in verse number 2 and 3. For if the Word, now this is talking about the law in the Old Testament. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, under the law, and that was the law. If under the law, if a transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, if there was punishment applied for a transgression or disobedience under the law, look at the contrast, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, that would be Jesus, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, that would be the apostles. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that under the law in the Old Testament, God avenged His law and those that were transgressors and disobedient to the law, they received a punishment for that. Well, we're living under something far greater than the law. 
We're living under grace. Amen. And how shall we? In other words, if they could not escape, if those that were under the law, if they could not escape the punishment of that law, then the contrast is, how shall we that are living in this dispensation of grace under the New Testament, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I'm preaching this morning on so great salvation. So great salvation. Thank the Lord that it is great. And thank the Lord that I have it. Amen. So there is the context. There is a charge. There is a contrast. But while I'm throwing this out, let me say number four, there is a confirmation. Look what he said in verse number three. Uh, talking about which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. You see, if you go back to Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 42, the early church on the day of Pentecost, after those 3,000 were saved, the Bible said and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking the bread. So what was the apostles' doctrine? The New Testament had not been written yet. So the apostles' doctrine, they were preaching what Jesus had taught them. They were preaching what they had learned at the feet of Jesus. And so everything that Jesus had been preaching, and especially about salvation, the writer of Hebrews says, has been confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And look how God put his stamp of approval upon those apostles in verse number 4. God also bearing them witness. But now remember, if they were preaching and, and, we didn't have, and they didn't have a New Testament in that day, then how did the people of that day know that they were preaching the truth? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers or different miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. So these were gifts of confirmation. Some of the spiritual gifts that were given in that early apostolic day, in the early church age, they were simply temporary, and they were transitionary, and they were not permanent. That's why we don't speak in tongues. Amen. That's why we don't speak in It was a temporary gift. And so God gave many spiritual gifts to that generation of apostles and other believers because it acted as a sign gift or a confirmation that they were from God and that their message was true. But now if you want to know if a man's telling you the truth, all you got to do is open your New Testament. Amen. Open your Bible. So let's think about this so great salvation. I want to start by asking you a question. Are you saved? I'm talking about every person in the building today. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved? Are you ready to die with what you know and believe to be your salvation? And then if you are not saved, I want to ask you this question. What are you thinking about doing about it? 
Do you plan on getting saved? You think you'll be all right? You think that your concept of salvation is different than what maybe is being preached from this pulpit and, and you'll just make it your own way? It is so great a salvation. God doesn't want anybody to miss it. Amen. So I want you to follow me, and I'm going to be real brief, or as brief as I can. Y'all have heard that before, haven't you? Uh, Y'all, I want you to follow me, and I'm going to take you to a few places in the Bible, and I'm going to show you this uh, so great salvation, and I'm going to tell you why it is great, and we're going to do it in a in a sevenfold manner or in a seven step manner and this is progressive the way that I'm going to walk you through this is the way that it progresses and comes into our lives when we're saved so let's turn or at least you listen as I read to Ephesians chapter number one and I'd like to say beginning this morning that this so great salvation can I say that God planned salvation? So number one, this so great salvation, it is great because God planned it. Amen. God planned it. I like Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now watch according as he hath chosen us in him when before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now I'm not saying that God uh, predetermined who would go to heaven and who would go to hell. That's not what he's saying here. We were chosen in Christ. Our salvation is in Christ. And God chose and laid the plan of salvation out before the foundations of the world. The Bible says this in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 20. And I can't elaborate long on any of these, but I just want to show you. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, he's talking about being born again. He said, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now listen, who verily was foreordained when before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. So God, before he ever, as somebody said, laid the mud seals of the world, God had planned salvation. You say, well, how did God know man would fail? Well, God, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God knows everything. One of the best things, Brother Milton, that has ever helped me to get a grasp of the, of the knowledge of God is the fact that in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says that God inhabits eternity. God dwells in eternity. To God there is no beginning, and to God there is no ending. God is in the, in the past tense, God's in the present tense, and God's in the future tense. Time may be marked from here to hear from Genesis 1-1 until the day that God burns the universe and creates a new heaven and a new earth. Time is set down in this vast concept that we call eternity. And God, as He was over here in Genesis 1-1, He was at the same time 
over here in Revelation chapter 22 on this side of it, amen. And so there was nothing unknown to God. You say, well, that, I, I don't understand that. I don't either. I'm, listen, I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk. Anybody else know how it can? So if we, if we can't understand some things like that, we're not going to have God figured out. But all I want you to know this morning is that before the foundations of the world, God planned this wonderful thing that we know of as salvation. Amen. And as Psalms 98, 2 says, He has made known unto us this salvation. Amen. So I'm glad that we are partakers of this salvation that God has planned. It is typified and foreshadowed all through the Old Testament. And the first time that God made promise of His Son was in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. And so all the way through the Bible, God unveils and, and reveals the concept of salvation. And it simply means deliverance. It means that, we're, it, it basically means this, that we were all sinners by nature under the condemnation of God and on our way to a devil's hell, but God sent deliverance to you and I. Amen. He has delivered us out from under the penalty of that sin, out from under the burden of that sin. Thank God. Amen. And I like that song, I don't have to go to hell. Amen. Going to heaven. So God, number one, planned salvation. That's what makes it so great. Number two, I'd like to say that Jesus secured salvation. How did God bring about this salvation? What is the basis of it? Our dear sister uh, uh, read and quoted the verse to the children here, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, which is salvation. So Jesus is the one that has secured this salvation for you and I. Again, that verse I read in 1 Peter 1.20, I'll read it again. It said, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. In other words, Christ was in the plan of God from before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. In other words, in Galatians 4.4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to being them that were under the law. So on God's timetable, Jesus came into this world and died for your sins and for my sins. I like 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us, thank God, read that personal, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So God planned this so great salvation. Jesus secured this so great salvation. And then can I say thirdly, grace brings this salvation. Amen, it's not, listen, for by grace, Ephesians 2.8, everybody can quote it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is what? 
It is the gift of God. And it cannot be of works and be of grace. If it's a gift, it's got to be of grace. In Romans chapter number 4, Paul labors the point, and this is what he says in verse 16, talking about Abraham. Uh, the Bible said, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Because he says this back over in verse number 4, talking about Abraham. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of death. In other words, if our salvation could be earned, it would not be of grace, but it would be of debt. God owes us salvation because we've done something to earn it. But you and I have done nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, and it is simply by the grace of God that you and I are saved. Amen. I can't hardly mention grace without talking about its first usage in the Bible. In Genesis 6, in verse number 8, the Bible says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that word grace comes from a Hebrew root word uh, that means that someone of a superior standing stoops and bends to render aid to someone of an inferior standing. In other words, uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, the God Almighty, he stooped and he bent over and rendered grace to Noah, and that's how Noah lived right in the day that he lived. And the reason that you're saved this morning is because the God of heaven, who is holy and righteous, and, 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 and oh my, uh, that the God of glory, he stooped down, he came down to where we were at, as low down as you and I might have been, he came all the way down and rendered aid to you and I. Amen. That's what grace is. I, I listen to this crowd that believes they're going to work their way to heaven. It's an insult to God. Matter of fact, Paul said, For I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness had come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And the word frustrate means to cast aside. And Paul is saying, I'm not going to cast aside the grace of God. It's an insult to God for anybody to think that they're good enough or they can do something to earn them salvation. I just want to throw myself on the mercies of God. Amen. Amen. So God planned salvation before the foundation of the world. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the world and died that he might secure this salvation. And then to the individual believer, it, it is brought to you and I by grace. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, I'm going to say it again, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, amen, teaching us uh, to die ungodliness and live. Listen, I'm telling you, friend, grace brings it, thank God, undeserved and unmerited. Number four, let me quickly say that the gospel declares this great salvation. So how do we know about it? How do we know that God planned it? How do we know that Jesus secured it? How do we know that grace brings it? Because we've got a gospel that declares it. No wonder Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is, it is, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, that is in that gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Even as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
Don't you love your Bible today? Because in this Bible we have the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, his, we have the, the, the entire witness of him from the time that he was born of the Virgin Mary until the time that he ascended back to heaven. The life, the death, the burial, all of that. We have the message of Jesus Christ. And it is the message of salvation. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Amen. I like what that Philippian jailer, he asked Paul and Silas over there in Acts 16. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So how does this great salvation that delivers us and changes us and makes a new creature out of us and puts a hope in us. How does that salvation come to us? God has planned it. Jesus has secured it. And grace brings it. But thank God I heard of the preaching of the word of God. And it is the gospel that declared to me that I was a sinner. But Jesus was the Savior. I'm about to have a fit. I love it. Thank God. The mirror, the Bible is a mirror. Of, it is the mirror of the Word of God. The mirror is the Word of God. God the God's Word is a mirror. I'll, I'll say it right in a moment. It is a mirror. And as the sinner is confronted with the mirror of the Word of God, he sees himself. Amen. And that gospel, the gospel declares to the sinner that he's unrighteous, that he's undone, and he's under condemnation. But as we look, into that mirror, it begins to, to reflect to us according to Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. We begin to see the glory of the Lord. And just as we are reminded and see how that we're sinner, we begin to see the glory of the Lord and His righteousness and His salvation. It is then brought to you and I. Thank God for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like this, brother over in Romans chapter number 10, Paul said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he said, And how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And so Paul was saying, is that sinners are not going to get saved unless they hear a presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my. 1 Corinthians 1.18 for the preaching of the cross. Listen now. To the world for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Amen. The gospel declares it. God planned it. Jesus secured it. Grace brings it. The gospel declares it. And then let me say number five, that faith receives it. When we hear it, when it is presented to us through the preaching of the word of God, it is faith then that receives it. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. I like the way uh, what John wrote over here in John chapter number 20 in the gospel. This is what he said. He said, In many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Thank God faith is believing. He that cometh to God must what? Believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11, 6. So thank God faith is receiving the Lord. Again, I go back to Romans chapter number 4. Don't you just love that book of Romans? And he uses Abraham again. I, I didn't go all the way a little bit ago when I was over there. But he said this, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You see, if this thing was something, some way other than grace and faith, if it was dependent on how much money you got, some would be left out. I would have been left out. If it depends upon people's natural abilities, some would be left out. If it was dependent upon skin color, some would be left out. And we could go through all the list of everything that we may categorize people by and catalog people by. And we could say it was for this. But no, salvation is to whosoever will. Amen. And the only... And the only requirement is to believe the gospel. Faith. Amen. It takes faith. And God made it that way. It is the method of faith receiving salvation by faith. We will conclude this message on the heavenly manna with Milton Harris problem. <laughs> 97.5 Glory FM is WGTJ Murrayville Gainesville and W248DL Murrayville Gainesville.